Hallowed be thy name, our Father, part two of seven. In the summer of 2000, five 13-year-old boys went on a school trip to Washington, D.C. Matthew joined the army after high school. Jonathan moved back to Israel. We did not stay in touch. Eric became a prosecutor in Arizona and remains one of my best friends. AJ now goes by his middle name, Kermit, which was my grandpa's name. That and the fact that he had to hide his attraction to the other boys later endured him to me. I have a picture I keep, with four of us at least, as a reminder of that trip. At the Iwo Jima Memorial, the bus drove around it, and the kids from Kettle Falls were captivated by the flag appearing to be raised. Stephanie asked if we could go around again, which we all agreed was peremptory. The tour guide carried a purple umbrella with a wooden duck head carved at the base of the handle. This is Beacon, she shouted, holding it open on a sunny day, even though I had heard that that was bad luck. Follow Beacon, she honked with forced cheer. There were guards in the hotel hallways at night to keep us from each other. I saw the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution behind bulletproof glass. Right after I rubbed Einstein's nose, I'm moving you along because you'll want to spend more time at the Air and Space Museum, she said. And she was right. I touched a moon rock. It felt no different than an earth rock. It was raining when we stopped at the Korean War Memorial. Most of the class stayed on the bus. The soldier statues were wearing ponchos. I told Matthew I thought the rain was fitting. The next day, we saw the 23 marble relief portraits of renowned lawmakers that hang over the, the gallery in the People's House. On the eastern half of the chamber, there are 11 profiles that face left, and on the western half, there are 11 that face right. Each profile turned toward the middle. Venerated in the center was a full-face portrait of the greatest lawgiver of all, Moses. It surprised me. Here was the prophet I had learned about in Sunday school, many miles away. Just as he had split the Red Sea, now he was splitting the portraits of Hammurabi, Napoleon, and Jefferson. In the Capitol Rotunda, holding Beacon High, our guide told us, This is where your country honors its heroes. This is where they lie in state. We did not know then that Matthew's flag-draped coffin would be born into the Kettle Falls Middle School gymnasium, that bagpipes would play and Lindsay Rosen and Shannon Berry would rise to eulogize him in tandem. Tony Brozick as well, even though he did not go on the trip. But it was years later at that point and I sat glued to my chair by tears. He died, we were told, during training in Germany. It seemed embarrassing to die in the army during training. No one said that. His father worked at the boat factory that my stepfather ran. Cliff was his name. His son drove right to the edge and then went off. All he ever told me was, we'll see how long we stay. I guess Olivia is asking for Santa Claus to bring her back Uncle Matthew for Christmas. As he rubbed the stainless steel bracelet engraved with his son's name, that he now wore like a shackle. I don't know how long we can stand that. Moses murdered a man. Most people don't mention that. 
It's not why his portrait hangs in full face in the Capitol, that's for sure. He should have never been. Pharaoh feared the Hebrews and ordered every boy that was born to be drowned. His mother, trusting to water as much as to God, put him in a basket and set him upon the Nile. The Hebrew word for basket, at least used there, is teva. Translated literally, it means ark. The name of the vessel that bore Moses across the Nile and spared him from genocide is the same as the vessel that bore Noah and his menagerie when the waters covered the earth. It's a complex story and I'm not doing it justice by summarizing, but after the murder, Moses fled Egypt. He became a shepherd in the desert. One day he saw a flame. It burned within a bush, but it did not consume it. He drew near and a voice said to him, Remove your sandals, for where you stand is hallowed ground. Of all the attributes of God, holiness seems to be one that man does not readily claim. Power, omniscience, vengeance, yes. But holiness, no. To be set apart, to be worthy of worship, to be pure and uncorrupted, to build a teva and put that which is worth saving in it when the waters of destruction begin to rise. Hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? May thy name be held holy, is how one translation puts it, and seems closer to cutting the phrase into a size that can be swallowed. The voice of God spoke from the burning bush and told Moses to bring his people out of Egypt. Moses asked, Who shall I tell them that you are? The fire that burned without ceasing or consuming, that hallowed the ground upon which it shone, answered, I am that I am. Can we know the name of God? Hallowed be thy name is an invitation to learn the name of God. It is a call to recognize that which is sanctified, set apart, holy. The flame that burns without ceasing or consuming. I know people who carry that light in their eyes. My grandmother, at 84, is a vessel for the flame of God. She is a person that has truly lived. The light, the blaze, the spark that is ever present now will one day go out, but it reflects an eternal fire that will never wane or die. There is a sacredness to death with its rituals and permanence the sudden and irrevocable absence of the divine spark that once animated. At the funeral, when the preacher finished his sermon, he turned to Matthew's mother and said censoriously, I know you said not to get religious, Julie, but that's what he said. He being Jesus and what he said being something I do not remember. When it was Julie's turn to speak, she said, this is the lullaby I used to sing to him at night. Then, in the stillness of the gymnasium, where I'd learned how to dance, fractured my ankle playing basketball, and walked across the stage to receive my diploma, there, in front of farmers with mud caked around their good shoes, millwrights with missing fingers, and mothers with stove burns on their arms and the whispers of quiet, quiet prayers spoke over unmarked graves, still on their lips, Julie sang her son to sleep. 
I do not know what holy means. When the preacher preached, I listened. But when the mother mourned, I removed my shoes.